Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, right here in the southeastern tip of South Dakota, where this broadcast emanates from on the southwest side of the great city. We're going to spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news and politics. We'll talk a little bit, a uh, little parenting, and uh, then some sports, some, some golf, some football. Yeah, it's going to be that kind of day. It's going to be, it's going to be a wide-ranging exploration of the topics that are near and dear to your heart. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us. Thankfully, he I can see him. He's over there. He's rested. He's ready. He's ready to go. Thanks for spending some time with us on your radio at Information 1000 KSOO, streamed live on KSOO.com and on the ever-popular KSOO mobile app. And uh, you can always get in touch with us, follow along with the show on Twitter at P. Lally Show. Uh, you know it's Tuesday, Dan, and you know what Tuesday means? Tonight... There will be some city council bingo. City council bingo, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. It's the dance sensation that's sweeping the nation. City council bingo twist. Now, there's no, there's no twist to it. It's just bingo. It's just straight up city council bingo down at Public Input at Club David. We start at 630 whenever there's a city council meeting or uh, unless I'm out of town or something. But we're down there tonight, Club David, across from Town Hall. If you got to go to the meeting, may as well come and spend some time with us before your agenda item hits the skids or uh, after, you know, when you're done with your public input, you've got up there and skewered the city government over one thing or another. Come on over. We're hanging out. We have a, a drink special. What is tonight's drink special? Hmm. You know, it escapes me now. Well, we'll have to keep it a mystery. No, it's it's not a mystery. What is it? Like I do you. It'll be. I'll think about it here in a minute. But we have got the drink special, city council drink special, city council bingo, and uh, also tonight we have uh, as an added treat, of course, the results of the school bond election. So we'll be watching those as well, and that always is fun. And uh, uh, of course, I'm predicting the. Uh, I'm I'm predicting it's going to happen. It's going to pass. Sixty five percent or more. No, I think I, that. Eh, I don't know. I could be. There's not. There's a Kermit Staggers robocall against the bond issue now. I have not heard this Kermit Staggers robocall. I heard it on uh, our friend friend of the show, SouthCola. dot uh, com, Scott Arison's blog. He had it posted. Uh, it's a minute and a half recording uh, by Kermit Staggers talking about how we shouldn't vote for the bond. But uh, so some of you people may have gotten that. I don't know. I don't know that that swings the vote one way or another. But uh, I think we're actually having the Rice Dorfer. <laughs> the Rice Dorfer, I think, is the uh, is the uh, uh, drink special tonight in honor of uh, uh, the nominee for the uh, Technology and Innovation Department, Jason Rice Dorfer. Ooh, I wonder what this delectable delight will it, be. It's Crown Royal on the rocks. Because that's what he posted on his Facebook page. <laughs> really? <laughs> Several. Uh, this is deep within the bowels of Jason Reisdorfer's Facebook page that uh, Mr. Mr. Arisman, in fact, found. Uh, yeah, they've got a bottle of Crown and kicking back with a Crown on the Rock. So that's what we'll have tonight for the drink special. Where to go, Scott? You're you're the man bailing yeah. us out here this Thanks, afternoon. Thanks, Scott. Uh, and I, there'll probably be some sort of uh, beer backer on that one as well. That's usually the way it goes. I am not sure which which um, ale would be a good chaser for Crown Royal. No, I'm not sure either. Probably something domestic, you know. Look at Bud, something like that. A grain belt. Grain belt, yeah, there you go. A grain belt. A little Crown, a little grain belt. Now you're talking. It's like Saint and Sinner. <laughs> uh, Scott also had a... Scott can't be there tonight, apparently, again, but we'll see how it goes. Uh uh, oh, I, this just in from the organ from North End Productions. It is, in fact, the Reisdorfer is the drink special. But uh, Scott had suggested the uh, school bond 
which would be a shot of root beer schnapps for 24 bucks. <laughs> yes, and Club Davids would say thank you very much. Yeah, that's right. I don't think that it is the right. I have it confirmed. It is the right store. So we'll be down there, uh, you know, because uh, I believe he's on the agenda for this evening, if I remember correctly. I have to bring that one up, too. I, I'm woefully unprepared, unprepared for tonight's show, for tonight's gathering down there. Because I'm not, I don't even have, I'm not even, I don't even really know what's on the agenda. But I know it's going to be hot and heavy, hot and heavy council action down at public input. Uh, and actually, uh, the public input remains perhaps the most entertaining part of, uh, of the uh, night's uh, proceedings. Because you just never know. It's, you know, it's, it's completely up in the air as to what's going to happen. And so, you know. Let's see. Well, regular council meeting. You got uh, uh, you got some. They're spending some money on the event center. Spending some money on the pavilion. Oh, all kinds of good stuff. Ooh, there's the property tax increase. They're adopting the budget and then Reisdorfer. So, I think it'll be kind of a quick meeting. But there could be some conversation about Mr. Reisdorfer. I don't know that uh, Teresa Staley is going to be able to make the meet ma- make the meeting as uh, she had to leave town. But maybe she'll be back. I hope she will. She's the one who would have the most questions about Mr. Reisdorfer, as she's the one who's had the ongoing tit for tat on the Facebooks with said appointee. But, I, you know, that's going to pass. And and as I think Scott pointed out on his blog the other day, it, you know, this is the mayor's job is to appoint, you know, the staff. And nobody's going to really stand in front of that. So that'll go right through. But that'll be entertaining. So we've got a lot going on tonight at the... Public input at Club David, 6.30. We'll be hanging out. The, the, the highlight of the evening continues to be city council bingo. We had two winners last week, and uh, they split the uh, $20 gift certificate, bar tab. So that was a big success for them. Hope to see all those folks back again tonight. Uh, if you need more information, you know you can always follow uh, North End Productions on Facebook. Then you get all the events uh, at Club David and uh, particularly the public input. So we'll hope to see you all out there tonight. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, our guests include uh, Mick Gary. Mick Gary is going to be here, an uh, old friend of mine. Uh, I've known Mick for uh, maybe 30 years now. I think he's probably approaching 30 years as a sports reporter for Argus Leader Media. Yeah, we'll have to have the next big celebration 30-year deal for old Mick yeah. after we had got done with Phil here last week. Phil Shrek and Mick Gary, the great the, the great tandem of 30-year veterans of Sioux Falls Media. So we'll chat with Mick. He's actually out at the uh, golf tournament. He's been hanging out with the all the uh, senior PGA Tour pros. And uh, I saw he posted a uh, uh, some slow-mo video of Vijay Singh Swing which is like watching, you know, VJ's kind of all over the place all the time, and then, bam, he hits the ball. So we'll chat with Mick about golf. Mick is a old golfer, old caddy. He knows the game. He's a stick, so that'll be good. And then maybe a little coyote football, maybe a little uh, just college football in general. All kinds of stuff that Mick gets involved with. And uh, maybe a little Minnesota music as well, because uh, he, of course, is a Minnesota native. The Bad Mother is back for Weird Friends. That's always a treat, and I will have a PL statement after the break. And today's topic is, oh, the politics of trade, the politics of dancing. <laughs> That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Twenty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it is time for the PL statement here. That's why we play the Bodines, because we're trying to get a little closer to free H and every day. And uh, this is the time of time, a day of the show, when we look through the news and find the things that, uh, you know, get our blood boiling, make us happy, make us sad, make us belligerent. Uh, and today, it's a, I, this is a fascinating story, I think. Um, and for a lot of reasons, but it's uh, from the New York Times because I read the New York Times every day. 
And it says Republicans opposing Trump on free. On, I'm sorry. Republicans opposing Trump on trade face election quandary. Many party leaders in Washington like tax cuts, but dislike tariffs. Few Americans share that combination of views. And this is uh, going into the midterms. Just fascinating. I mean, it, and it points out the problems that uh, Republicans, a lot of traditional Republicans have in this uh, campaign cycle. But it it, it also speaks to this, uh, the, the broader trends in the American electorate. And I, it, it really is amazing because you have this intersection of uh, populist trade policy, conservative trade policy, liberal trade policy. And what does that mean uh, for average everyday workers on the ground who don't really hold a, uh, a philosophical stand here, but they just they don't want to pay more for stuff and they want to make a better living, right? That's what we all want. And so New York Times did this uh, big poll uh, online with SurveyMonkey, of all people, but it, it, uh, it surveyed over 8,000 people who use SurveyMonkey, okay? And, uh, but it, it had some actual scientific elements to it, like any good poll would, but it's kind of fascinating to me they use SurveyMonkey. But what it did was it broke down the... Uh, whether, you know, Republicans, independents, and Democrats, whether you like the tax, Trump tax policy and whether you like the Trump trade policies, all right? And so a traditional Republican, say like Paul Ryan uh, who and Mitch McConnell, uh, these guys who are the leaders in the Congress, they would traditionally say they like the tax policy, lower taxes clearly, but they don't like the trade policy because... Uh, Republican doctrine for generations has been freer trade, lower taxes. Now, with the rise of Trump, things are flipped on their heads, right? So you've got lower taxes and less free trade. So if you're a guy and you're a man or woman, you're out there and you're running in a Republican swing district in a very difficult midterm, you've got this this 30-what-odd percent of folks who uh, are in the Republican base who you need to be energized about your campaign, but you don't agree with them on trade, right? What do you do? It's a, it is a very, very bad position to be in. Um, and this, this lead of this story says, as President Trump again ratchets up trade tensions with China and Canada, he has the strong backing of Republican voters, but he risks putting his party's congressional candidates many of whom are more supportive of free trade in a bind. Top Republicans in Congress love Mr. Trump's tax cuts, but they do not love the tariffs that have become the centerpiece of his trade policy. This combination is a classic conservative position that favors low taxes, whether on income or on imports. Few Americans outside Washington share that view. That combination of low taxes, low tariffs has become increasingly um, unpopular. Okay, so people are either uh, against the tax policy but for free trade or they are uh, for the tax policy and not for free trade. And so if you are a politician, what do you do? This is fascinating. So not even one in 10 American voters in this survey express support for tax cuts while opposing tariffs on imported steel and aluminum. One in 10, and that would be the traditional Republican stance. That leaves Republican congressional hopefuls with few safe options, according to the story. Candidates who embrace Mr. Trump's trade policies risk turning off independent voters, as well as the business leaders who are a key part of the Republican donor base. But bucking Mr. Trump could alienate many Republicans. This is... Uh, this re- the, the results could help explain why congressional Republicans have done little to block Mr. Trump's tariffs beyond condemning them in news releases and interviews. They suggest that trade has become a proxy question for support of Mr. Trump, like so many other policy issues. Uh, and there's a quote here from Tony Fratto. He's a former Bush administration official who is now a partner at Hamilton Place Strategies, a public affairs consulting firm in Washington. It's a significant problem for elected Republicans since they are almost universally free traders. Trump's protectionism is putting Republican members out of step with both their president and their base. That's a tough place to be. 
indeed. And so uh, on Monday, yesterday, uh, Trump said that uh, uh, he tweeted out the countries that don't make fair, fair trade deals will be tariffed. And by the end of the day, he had announced a fresh round of tariffs, $200 billion on Chinese goods. So the, the tit-for-tat continues in the trade war, uh, perhaps to the detriment of Republicans who are trying to hold Congress. Very interesting. Um, you know, what comes out the other side probably depends on the independents. And what this survey indicates is that independents lean more toward the uh, favoring uh, free trade and not lowering taxes. So that is uh, a very interesting uh, problem for both parties. As this says, more than half of the independent voters oppose Mr. Trump's tax law and his tariffs. More than half say that NAFTA, which the administration aims to rework, has been good for the economy. By a three-to-one margin, they say Mr. Trump's trade policies make them less likely to vote for a Republican congressional candidate. So what does that mean if you are, in fact, a congressional candidate? That's a good question. Do you try and break with the president to save yourself with independent voters? Or is the district more Trumpian, like maybe South Dakota, and so you you tacked towards Trump to make sure that you maintain that base of voters. Hmm. I think in South Dakota, we've seen Dusty Johnson. Not exactly. Uh, Dusty is not a fan of the tariffs, but I don't know if that would hurt him. I think in farm country, being for tariffs is a bad thing. How this will play out in in Congress uh, is, I have no idea. Um, but it's it's really um, it's really interesting. I I think that it it is a, a a turning point in our policy, our trade policy in this country, perhaps our tax policy, but certainly trade policy. The results of the midterm elections are going to determine a great deal, including whether or not protectionism is the wave of the future for the American economy, or if. The Trump policies on trade are turned back by the electorate. Interesting question, and we will be watching. That is the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, Patrick at KSF, KSFY. I am, I am, in fact, KSFY political analyst, but I am host of the Patrick Lally Show right here on Information 1000 KSOO. Pictures of me, I got my club, 45. 3.36 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I, every once in a while, we're very fortunate to have a visit from our, sort of our wild card weird friend, <laughs> the Bad Mother. Hey, Bad Mother. How's hey, it going? It's pretty good. Yeah. Haven't killed, now, my, haven't killed my kids yet this week. No, so. and that's oh, why we call success. you. We know? call you the Bad Mother because you are sort of, uh, shall we say, uh, you go against the current. Well, I mean, I do care. I do care about my kids very much. I do much. care about the welfare <laughs> no. of my children. But, you know, I don't like to coddle them too much because that... One, that takes up a lot of time and energy for me. But two, that's not helping them grow up into, you know, we're raising adults, you know, not, you know, adults who can be productive members of society someday, not like adults who are like, you know, man children, you know. Whiny. So, yes. <laughs> no whiners. You got to get have that on your door. No whiners. I know. Ugh. And I do have whiners sometimes, especially yeah. the six-year-old. But, you know, <laughs> that comes with the territory. <laughs> so uh, uh, let's see. Uh this morning, you always talk about you make your kids walk to school. I do. Okay, so here's, you know, you, know, you only live <coughs> like sorry. a couple blocks away, right? Yeah, I live three blocks away from school. The elementary school is three blocks away from our house. And so, yeah, this morning, you know, I'm like, oh, it's rainy. It's going to be an umbrella day, which my daughter is always <laughs> excited about because when else do you get to use your umbrella? Right, it was a 40 mile an hour wind and uh, <laughs> lightning, but it's umbrella day. And so she's mad because, you know, her usual neighborhood friends are not coming to the door because they're all getting rides to school. I'm like, we were at, we were actually at a window of like just a light yeah. drizzle at it the was time, fine. and it was fine. And so I, you pushed her out the door. With I said, rain I'm like, well, you know, go across the street, find, you know, go see if he's walking or you know, 
Right. She ended up getting a ride to school. So <laughs> my neighbor. So let me get this straight. You shoved your kid out the door in a rainstorm, first of all. Yes. Well, not just a rainstorm, a thunderstorm. It was drizzling. Okay, it was drizzling. It was some serious lightning out there. Uh, not at 7.35. Okay, that, Grant, 7.35, yeah, there yeah. wasn't. So, uh, you, but you shoved her out the door, uh, your first grader, and uh, she ended up going across the street and hitching a ride Yes. To school with the neighbors. And I, I love my neighbors. Our, our neighbors are our best friends from college, and I love them dearly. So. Oh, <laughs> I see. So you they, they have a history. They're like, yeah, yeah, get in the car. Pretty much. Yeah. They, we, they expect this. Now. Yes, they do. You know. But now, in my defense, the group of kids that walks on the block behind us, mm-hmm. we're all walking today, I, you know. But my daughter doesn't know them, and she just, you know, she likes to walk with her usual Okay. group and you know well that's not i mean that's it, not terrible no it's not terrible so she got to school so you know now, here's the question though <laughs> in a vacuum sans college friends right and, and three blocks uh first grader you're gonna send her out in the rain you fully expect it i mean you did not do this knowing <laughs> that she was gonna get a ride you well, you I would have actually, made her walk. I was actually just hoping to shame my neighbors and to be like, all right, oh. you guys can all walk too because it is three blocks. But, you know. Whatever. Oh, I see. You're <laughs> trying to reverse. You're trying to bring people. You're not just the bad mother. You are, in fact, an evangelist for bad mothering. Pretty much, yes. But again, it's three blocks. Three blocks. And I live on the west side. Our elementary schools are huge over there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people and a lot of traffic trying to drive their kids to school. That is I mean, if I can be one car that is not in the madness of the school drop-off, I'm making it better for everybody else. Yeah, I was, in, <laughs> I was, I was caught in the line. for Every once in a while, I, I draw the uh, duty of transporting the children that live in the house I'm in to their school, which is also yep. not very far away. Okay. And there was actual talk of riding bikes to school because I ride to work. But then the weather. Changed. So mm. I ended up in this line that was honest to God, like three blocks long. Oh, it's insane. So you as as a as a parent, you would have maybe had you know the line for the drop off would have been as far as it is to walk. Yes. And, and honestly, last year, once when it was really cold back in you know January, it was like, you know, wind chill below zero or something. I'm like, all right, I'll give you a ride to school today. There were a couple of girls who live at the end of our block who were walking, you know, bundled up, head to toe. I mean, you could barely see it. You know, they were just walking gloves and mittens, you know. Um, They got to school before we did because the traffic was so (laughs) backed up. And I'm like, nope, nope. I mean, (laughs) there has to be a better way. Yeah. And I mean, again, I, I wish that more parents would make their kids walk to school when you live relatively close. I mean, I know the busing, if like, if, I think the bus boundaries are like a mile. Yeah, something If you're like that. past a mile, then you can be bused, your bus eligible or something. I mean, I don't know, within a mile, Well, that's, you can uh, do it. But uh, JP was talking about this the other day. This is a story from Sweden where they're like having this huge movement. It's like, listen, if we all walk a little bit, even mm-hmm. if you just drop your kids off a little bit further away. Yeah. Then it's not. You know, everybody's walking together, okay? And it's more of a communal thing, and everybody's not jammed up at the door of the school trying to push their kids out on the move so they don't hold right. the line up for everybody yeah, I mean, else. You know, and I we opened and rolled our son to elementary school, and so I had to do the drop-off line there. And that wasn't quite as bad because it wasn't, you know, again, a West Side school, but, you know, not one, not the largest. Yeah. Um, and that was nutso. And I'm like, nope. Nope, that's, I just don't want to do it. I was thinking about it today. I'm like, we're a block away, right? I haven't gone into the, to the oh, actual. Oh yeah, the circle. I haven't been into the funnel yet. I'm like, why am I not just making them get out here? I mean, it was raining. Okay. And they didn't have umbrellas or coats or. Right. Really anything for protection. <laughs> um, but still, it's like, put your backpack on your head and run. Yeah, yeah. Well, that now, been, that, but that would have been bad form. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> but no, I mean, my son, I was this morning too. Uh, you know, he's in middle school, so it's an hour later. And he's like, eh. I'm like, well, I could probably, you, you know, drop you off because then I could vote um, in the school bond election. 
Uh, and he's like, he didn't want to, though, because then he wouldn't have had his bike for after school, for after football, and he would have actually had to walk instead oh, <laughs> biking see. home. So I'm like, good, go. So he rode his bike in the rain. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it, was there was a little lull in that. There was, it, was, it was mostly high lightning. It wasn't ground lightning. So it, it wasn't pouring. So, and, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. He's a boy. I mean, he does care about his appearance these days. Uh, and so yes. he will spend a lot of time combing his hair, which is hilarious to me but (laughs) it's gonna rinse off all the axe body spray i know because oh wow like i don't know what's worse the axe body spray or the you know the smelly gym bag i mean his room is not maybe you could spray some axe in the bag it's i don't know it's i've had the both of them in there it's not a pleasant combo i don't know how to i'm like i want to air out the room like we talk my husband and i talk about that we want we need to air out his room yeah i'm like no we would just want to close that because it's gonna no don't want it in the rest of the house (laughs) it's sort of like the combination of uh patchouli oil and clove cigarettes you know what i mean it's just it's just a bad I know. It's just, I'm like, well, at least he's using deodorant and something, but that's good. Uh, We're going to come right back and talk more with the bad mother. I'll probably hit up. We'll talk about the pond issue at school crowding since you're in the biggest schools in the world. This is the Patrick Lally show information. 1000 KSOO. 348 on the Patrick Lally show information. 1000 KSOO. And we're chatting with the bad mother. Here on Weird Friends. Uh, so, Bad Mother, you talked about voting in the bond issue. Uh, so, you, you said you were going to vote. Yes, you I had, have not yet. I'm going to do it after work. Gonna, uh, now, you don't have to reveal too much. Like, <laughs> you, given that your children are in the district and in the, they're at ground zero of overcrowding. Yes, uh, yeah. Are, are, you, are you a supporter of the bond issue? I am. I mean, I think there's just... On the West, I mean, okay, yes. Like, I am in the ground zero in terms of my kids being on the West Side schools. They go to the largest schools in the district. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, okay, you know, Discovery Elementary has got 900-plus kids. Jeez. Memorial has 1,400. It's like the, and the third be, largest school in the whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, in terms, I mean, it's like, I think maybe one of the Rapid City High Schools is larger, and then yeah, it's Memorial, it's you know. <laughs> it's huge. And then, um, yeah, and then they'll be, you know, filtered up to Roosevelt, which is, again, what is that, like a 2,300 kids or something? It's huge. It's giant. Now, I mean, we made the choice to live in Sioux Falls. I mean, I went to school outside of Sioux Falls. My graduating class was like 50 people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if small class sizes in and of itself was a big concern, we should have moved to a smaller community outside of Sioux Falls. But mm-hmm. there are pluses and minuses with it. Colton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then you're living in Colton. Right, yeah. And I mean, you know, and just like... You know, just things like you don't have as many options in terms of like, you know, stuff like foreign languages. Maybe Mm -hmm. you might have only gotten to take Spanish. Well, there wouldn't have been options for like, you know, German or French or whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's the give and take of, you know, having a larger class size. But I do think just in the terms of like the the building sizes are just not big enough for the students that are there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't have 1,400 kids in a middle school and not have some overcrowding. I mean... Well, you just, it's hard, it gets hard to control. And it, yeah, you just, it, there's just too many people in that building and, you know, not enough space for, you know, classes. I mean, you know, teacher workrooms are being used for classrooms, mm-hmm. things like that. They're repurposing everything. And, and, and you know. And to a this, point, that is absolutely fine. I mean, you know, yeah, but. Make the, make the, be most efficient as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, were you shocked when the plans came out that it was so much money? <sighs> I don't know if I was shocked with that, but... Do you think that in your circle of folks, and this is just because you're a normal human being, with normal life and normal friends, unlike me, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I only have weird friends. Right, right. uh, Does the amount matter to people at all? I mean, I think we see it as an investment in our children's education. And again, you know, the majority of people that I hang out with or see on a regular basis also have you know, kids on the West side in the largest schools. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is more of a close to home thing for us, right. but it really is. I mean, it's just, it's an investment in our children's education. Now I do think the school district, you know, it's probably, I mean, redrawing some of the individual school boundary lines mm-hmm. is going to come up no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have done some of that initially. Cause if you look at the differences in, you know, student population at say McGovern versus Memorial, mm-hmm. I mean, you, 
could easily redraw some of those boundary lines to alleviate some of the overcrowding at Memorial. But but then people will say, I don't want to go to McGovern and they'll open. Do you think, do you like open enrollment as a parent? I don't mind it. I mean, my we open enrolled my son when he was in elementary school. Just because it was more convenient? Yeah, and honestly, um, you know, we lived uh, we lived in T at the time. Um, his daycare was uh, like five blocks away from his elementary school, and yeah. so it was an after, easy after school thing for him. It was convenience. Yeah, strictly. But there are people who would say, "I don't want to go to McGovern because of yeah. where it is, right? It's adjacent. It's in the in that part of town that has a, a, a highly diverse population, socioeconomically diverse." Mm-hmm. And people think that that's going to be worse. That's a real concern for people, is it not? Yeah, I think so. We just don't talk about it. We don't. You know, at the middle school level, as I understand, I mean, I don't think you could open enroll into Memorial. It would be hard. Yeah, I I don't think they they accept any open enrollments there. I'm pretty sure they don't accept any open enrollment at Discovery. If they do, it might be like, you know, five people, a handful of people. I don't know. Right. But it's, it's... I me, I think it's kind of out of control, but that's just me. But parents, when it works for them, that's what they want, and it's hard for the district to say no when it's allowed. Mm-hmm. I think they, I think the district, I think all the districts around here should like band together and just say no because it's it's messing with the boundaries and it's just messing with everything. Well, now one thing that I don't about open enrollment, I don't think that anybody necessarily realizes that just because you know you open enroll into an elementary school, mm-hmm. you're there for the duration of your elementary school career. You can't jump around. No, well, but I mean, you're in the count. So like, you know, my son went to Oscar Howe, so he was in kindergarten. He, I didn't have to reopen and enroll him every, every year. year at Oscar yeah. Howe. Now yeah. for middle school, he was not guaranteed. I mean, we moved and we're in the Memorial District now. Yep. But they, you know, they said, no, if you want to continue your open enrollment with the Sioux Falls School District, you can go to McGovern because there's space available there. Yeah. But otherwise, sorry. But you, yeah. If you wouldn't have moved in, you right? Have we, yeah. If we wouldn't have moved in to that, you know, yeah. to that district. So it's, you know, that's. But did you, when you picked your house, did you uh, say we want to be? Because you knew you were going to be on the west side. You say we want to be in Memorial for sure. Well, I mean, on the west side, I mean, at pretty that much time, it's, everybody was. Yeah, pretty much everybody is. On you know, in the area that we were looking well, at, I mean, you can end up in McGovern. Yeah, but you knew where you. Oh, were Oh yeah, going. yeah. And you based your decision in part on which schools you were going to. Yeah, because so I you mean, wouldn't have that's to open enroll. no, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's very interesting. I think there's a lot of psychology to open enrollment that doesn't have anything to do with the reasons we have open enrollment. Yeah. Now I think you know I don't know several years ago when like the. You know, T was passing its school bond mm-hmm. thing for, you know, the new elementary school. Yep. Every, and there were all these people who lived like in Sioux Falls, but they were in this T district. They didn't know they were in T. They didn't T. know, but I'm like, how do you not know? It happens all the time. They didn't know what school district they're in. I'm like, no, that's all over yeah. on your real estate stuff. <laughs> it's <laughs> right there if it's you look. It's there if you look or if you cared yeah. then, but, yeah. you know. Well, the bad mother makes another fantastic appearance on <laughs> Weird Friends. Uh, bad mother, I really appreciate it, and we'll have you back again real soon. You can update us on the rest of the world. All right. Awesome. Thanks. We'll be right back. After the news and weather, at the top of the hour, we're going to chat with Mick Gary from Argus Leader Media about all kinds of sports stuff. It's going to be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Come on up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. It's Mick Gary from Argus Leader Media Sports. He's out at the golf tournament. We'll talk to him. That's all coming up next. Stay with us. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and the Pogues bring in my friend and icon of South Dakota sports writing, Mister Mick Gary of Argus Leader Media. Mick, how are you, buddy? Hey, it's a pleasure. I'd uh, rather listen to the rest of that song than hear me talk. Uh, that. 
just personal preference. <laughs> well, we would bring it back up for about a minute and a half, and then you know maybe see if anybody's still out there when we get done. But yeah, uh, <laughs> nothing like a little Irish music to kick you off, and uh, yep. and uh, we're both big fans. And my only regret uh, is that uh, I didn't find some Gear Daddies for you. I oh. I feel a little bit bad That's about okay. that. You being the Austin native and uh, you know uh, compatriot peer of said Gear Daddies. Uh, speaking of which, it's about time for them yeah. to come back to town, isn't it? I would sure think so. I went to see them in uh, a little town in Minnesota, Wasika, Minnesota, on uh, this summer. Played some golf in the afternoon, uh, beautiful golf course out there, and then uh, went to the concert. It was kind of a fundraiser, Gear Daddy's fundraiser for the hockey youth hockey at Wasika, and uh Man, it was fun. Everybody was having a good time for sure. Uh, but yeah, they're they're definitely due for another visit, at least Martin, uh, to to get through town here before too long. Yeah, he stops by periodically. Now, uh, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I can because it's my show. Um, the uh, Martin is living still uh, full time in Mexico or part time in Mexico. Does he still live down there? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of the town, uh, but it's a really cool little town inland. Uh, and uh, I suppose he he probably does nine of twelve months down there, taking it easy. I don't know that he's taking it easy, but he does fly back quite a bit. Yeah, and he comes up and plays some shows and uh, hangs out, and it's always good to see him. And and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance. It's still a great show. The last time I saw him, uh, I don't. It was outside somewhere in town here, and I you know I expect them to. It was just great. I don't know why I expect them to be anything other than great, but it was fantastic. So. It's, Tell, it's uh, you could make the comparison to it's kind of like he's a senior tour player now, and it's not quite as big a deal. So you get they come out on stage, and it's kind of that slow burn thing. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, soon enough, you're all into it again. Kind of cool. That's right. Speaking of the senior tour, uh, nice segue. Way to way to set that one up for me, dude. Um, you are covering the uh, Sanford International PGA Champions Tour event at Minnehaha Country Club. Uh, this week, um, so far, as uh, as you've been hanging out out there, uh, what are your first impressions of the place? Well, it was kind of funny because I was I decided my assignment today was to talk to VJ Singh, and uh, it, it's a tomorrow. It's a story. I guess it'll be up here pretty soon. But uh, anyway, I you know he was a, obviously a guy who was an incredible golfer on the in the in the prime of life and. And now he's playing. He's kind of, he's still he's fifty five and he's still splitting between the two tours. But uh, I, I went out there and just okay, there he's on. And as soon as he's done practicing here, I'm going to interview. And uh, so I'm watching all these guys come and go uh, while he's practicing. And most of them are out there. I would say tops an hour, mm-hmm. and most of them would be more like thirty minutes. And they they hit balls and they run through the. Uh, their clubs, and then they then they were headed out to uh, to play a practice round. And VJ got there about ten thirty, and it was one before I got a chance to talk to him. Uh, and, and it was funny because my first question was going to be, "Well, do you still, you know, do you still?" Because he was known on on tour as just a ball basher, just wear out his golf clubs yeah. every day type of practicer. And then I didn't have to ask that question after <laughs> I'd watched him hit balls for two and a half hours there. Uh, That's amazing because, but, you know, you, you can imagine a young man doing that and doing that, you know, consistently. But he's 55. Yeah. That's and a lot of I, balls. I'm, sh- oh, I'm sure there are times or uh, it, it's kind of an issue that, and maybe it's just genetics that he's been blessed with, uh, you know, a, a genetics where he's able to, He's able to take that level of punishment and, and not have it, you know, worry about it. But man, uh, just you get an impression when you're just standing there watching him hit and hit and hit. Uh, that how could anybody? I mean, a 25 year old would would be waddling out of there <laughs> after hitting that many golf balls, uh, and he he just kept doing it. And, how many? Uh, it was th- fun. He, how many do you think he? Hit? I would guess. I would guess 500. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because he's got all these uh, Jerry Rig type training methods here. He's got a, you know, the the, the plastic bottle that you with top rest in it that you pour it on the you pour it on your divots while you're out on the course. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he sets one of those like right, just 
like a centimeter outside his swing plane. Uh, and, he, and it's a little bit behind the ball. Really? And every shot he took, he had that thing sitting there. Um, and I don't know what the... And he had another thing that to keep his, uh, his left arm kind of in toward his body. He had this thing that he had... He was kind of pinching it with every shot. And between, and in, you know, kind of in his armpit yeah. on his left side. And God, every one, I mean, you look at this stuff and, and you, and then the other one uh, was, you know, those round the things that it's got a ball on the end of it and it's for loosening up. Yeah. Uh, training thing. You kind of, you see him on ads on TV. Yeah. Well, he warmed up with that. And then he was hitting golf balls with that thing. You're kidding. With this, you hit, can you imagine hitting a golf ball with a, with a round object? It, like hitting and, a golf ball with another golf ball. Yeah, and it, a couple of he, couple of them were sprayed. He sprayed them a little bit, but mostly they kind of looked like normal golf shots. Like, I mean, that's incredible when you think about it, being able to do that. But uh, so it was interesting watching him practice and just how much he must just slug it out every day like that, and and not for ten years, for you know thirty five years. Yeah, can you do you think that with a golfer like that, you know, because the the issue. You gotta you gotta watch the ball. You gotta see the club hit the ball. Sort of like with baseball. You know, they talked about Ted Williams being able to see the stitch on the baseball, right? It was he had such great yeah. vision. Do you think that guys like VJ or, or some of these other guys, they see the ball differently than you or I do when we're just looking at it? Or is it just because we close our eyes? <laughs> no, I think there's uh I mean you could break it down to vision or more I think it's just their brains. Whenever they're dealing with something that's visual, it 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 goes through their brain slower than it does a normal person. And you could equate that with like being a good NFL quarterback, certainly with hitting. But things just come at them slower. They have more time. Their brain gives them more time to react with more precision, I think, than the rest of us. And that that would be that would be the case with him, where. Um, just a, just a, he, he would be very sensitive to even the slightest variance in his swing and know that, well, okay, I did that this way. And I mean, he was hitting drives and long drives. He's a long driver on this tour uh, that were, I would say, within five or 10 yards of each other, probably 10, 10 in a row. It, it was like he was hitting eight irons. That was the grouping of where these balls were landing. Uh, so you can see, you can just see how. How hard it is to look, make it look easy, and maybe some guys it's just they're they don't work as hard at golf. They don't have to work as hard at golf, but man, he was putting the time in today. That's a, that really is impressive. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with Mick Gary, whose story on VJ Singh should be up at uh, ArgusLeader.com today, and uh, covering the tournament throughout the week. We'll talk a little golf here. And then uh, hopefully maybe a little coyote football, but we'll get right to that after this break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four twenty-two on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO and uh, Uber producer Dan Peters was able to dig deep into the archives here at Results Radio and find Zamboni by the Gear Daddies for uh, our guest Mick Gary, Austin, Tex- Austin, Texas, geez, Austin, Minnesota native and Argus Leader Media sports reporter. So there you go, Mick. We took care of you. I appreciate that. And please pass along my gratitude to Dan. Oh, he's he's right. He's I got here. you, Mick. I'm right here. He's, okay. ta- he's taking right. care of you. Um, I mean. You know, we could have found better Gear Daddy songs, but at least we had that one, right? That is yeah. like the most famous. Yeah. The great story about uh, that song, of course, is that Martin, ba- you know, that, that song probably made him more money uh, than anything else he'll ever do in his life, right? <laughs> yeah. No, when, a long, this is a long time ago, but he was talking to me about it. It was, it was on, a, I think it was a MasterCard ad or something like that, and, and uh, it was a pretty good haul. That he set up with, uh, in addition to whatever sales they got from it, whenever somebody uses it in a movie or on a 
TV ad or something like that. It it pays for some of his children's college education. <laughs> I bet. And, you know, they played it for a long time in every hockey arena in America. So yeah. there you go. Um, the uh, We were talking about the golf tournament uh, just a little bit ago. You're out covering the uh, Sanford International, which is going on. Do you think people, when this was announced, really understood uh, how big a deal it was going to be? Well, I wonder about that because I, um, you know, we don't, I don't think the Champions Tour, it, you can look at the hierarchy of sporting events, and certainly they're going to be differing opinions on what's bigger than what, that sort of thing. But this is a, this is a major league deal in a, in a sport that people pay attention to. And I think that by that measure, you've got to say that this is about as big as it's got. It's going to have national it's going to be on the Gulf Channel, national TV. Um, and in a sport where a lot of people play it and a lot of people make a lot of money playing it, there are going to be a lot of guys here from, from that group. Uh, you know, they're not on the PGA Tour anymore. But uh, these, are, these are people who have been absolutely at the top of the game where you get paid big money if you're good at it. And uh, I think by that measure, this is really a big deal. And certainly if you walked around the course here, and looked at how it is set up with uh, 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 all the uh, areas where fans can watch and, and just the really aggressive way that they've transformed this to make it a fan-friendly uh, deal. And I've been to a, you know, a few professional tour events uh, over the years, and it's, it's the exact same thing. I mean, these huge tents and all this stuff all over the place, it's, you really look at it and, and conclude that, yes, this is big league, if you didn't think so before. Yeah, I've seen the, uh, uh, I got a glimpse of 18, and uh, there's photos obviously out there of that finishing hole at Minnehaha Country Club, and which goes kind of uphill, up this sort of chute, back right up towards the uh, clubhouse there. And it the, it really does look like, maybe a little bit smaller in scale, any tour event that you'd see on television. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it's going to look like when they're out there playing it, uh, for sure Saturday and, and uh, Sunday too. Very impressive. So, what's your uh, you? As you said, you've been to tour events. You're you're an old stick. You're an old looper. Um, when you watch them play, uh, does it does it feel at all? And you've been watching them hit balls like they're they've lost any edge, um, and because these guys can hit the ball no matter what. We talked about VJ, but they're all like that, right? Yeah, you look at the the uh, driving distances, the, like the top ten drivers on tour. They're all. I mean, I think the. I mean, there's a couple who are right around 300, and uh, but but most of them are, are they hit the ball a long way, and uh, just when you watch them play, when I watched them hit this morning, I guess what you really got was uh, how smooth it is and even some of the, the swings that were distinctive where you would if you saw him just hit the ball once you'd say okay that guy's got a couple of bugs in his game and uh no they don't not by your standards anyway and uh just very comfortable with how they hit the golf ball and knowing that this is just something where i mean you've done it whatever number of times hundreds of thousands of times and and uh, you're just comfortable with what you're doing to the extent that almost nobody else is. Uh, I, I found that uh, interesting this morning anyway, just watching all those guys hit and, and recognizing some of the swings yeah. from when they were younger uh, as well, seeing Tom Kite hit the ball and, and a couple other guys. Seeing uh, it it's the same swing for Singh that it was, when he was 35, you know, mm. those kind of things. And, and you can kind of see the, the past and, and that these guys are, it, it's a, it's a unique thing I think in sports and that you have in this sport, in the sport that people pay a lot of attention to, uh, that you're able to hang on to your heroes or at least your favorites longer, way longer than you are in other sports. Oh yeah. And, uh, Jack Nicholas is going to kick the whole thing off on, uh, was it Friday, right? He's like hitting the first uh, ball and all that. Well, Saturday. Saturday he's playing in this uh, nine-hole event with uh, uh, Andy Norris, and I think it's uh, Stockton and maybe uh, uh, Graham, uh, who has been here a lot and is kind of connected with the area. So it'll yeah. be—I'm pretty sure that those names are right. Um, yeah. Well, and Andy Norris, really you know, cool. 
Andy North won the U.S. Open two times, and you know, you, any any more you can run into Andy North at the mall. You know what I mean? He's here all the time because <laughs> he's, he's here a lot. He's on the Sanford International Board and all he, these he's, things. Uh, yeah, he, he's well suited to be a spokesman for this type of event. Uh, he's got a just a smooth style as a human being, I think, and and real bright guy, uh, and kind of knows what his role is. I think this week. Yeah, he's he is a he's just a, a good person. Um, we're going to come right back and talk more with Mick Gary, sports reporter extraordinaire for Argus Leader Media, who's covering the Sanford International right now. And maybe maybe we'll get into other topics. Coyote football, I know that's going to be one of them. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, right here on Information One Thousand KSOO. Four thirty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we are chatting with Mick Gary. He, of course, a uh, long veteran sports reporter at Argus Leader Media, uh, and we're talking about the Sanford International and some other sports stuff. Uh, Mick, how how long are you've got to be coming up on uh, thirty years at the Argus Leader, right? Yeah, yeah. This is will be my. Uh, I started in the oh the fall of nineteen ninety. Wow. Oh, we're getting there. This, this would be my 29th fall, I guess. And uh, you were just going to uh, stop in for a couple, uh, you know, maybe six months to a year and then be off on your way, right? That's usually the way yep. the story goes. Yep, that's exactly, that was exactly it. I figured, well, maybe a year or two here, and uh, then I'll just move back to Minnesota. If I can't get another job in this business, I'll uh, move back to the Twin Cities and figure something else out. Here I am. Still just can't get out. Um the uh, you and the young Phil Shrek out carousing around the uh, the city, uh, you know, the early nineties. That's you probably didn't run into yeah, Phil just, that often. just tearing it up every night, <laughs> Phil and I. Um, so you're out at the golf tournament. Uh, one of the things I'm interested in and uh, is the actual golf course itself. I, as I've said, I've been bl- I've been blessed to play there a few times, and it's a lovely, lovely golf course. Uh, plenty hard for dudes like me. Um, I know you've played there a few times as you look at it now and you probably haven't been over the whole thing, but it's, how's it look in terms of, uh, a professional golf course? Is, are they just going to make mincemeat out of this thing or how's that going to work? I, I think they're going to make some, they're going to have, they're going to see pretty good, big scores or good scores. I mean, uh, I was talking to Annie North a couple of weeks ago when he was here, uh, asking what it was going to take to win. And he, he said it's you're probably looking at fourteen to sixteen under, uh, which for three rounds means you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be playing very well three days in a row. Uh and if you're if you're throwing a par in there, it, you know, maybe one day you get to par seventy or something like that, it, you're gonna have trouble making that up unless you really go crazy. So you're gonna have to be under par, I would say, every day and, and probably by more than two or two or three strokes, uh, to be the guy who's gonna end up winning it. Now they apparently have let the the rough grow to uh, you know tropical forest length, um, but for a lot of these guys, even that's not going to make a lot of difference, is it? Well, uh, as uh, talking to people last week, kind of about the course and how the these guys are going to view this course, it's it's short, uh, and they did lengthen like I think I want to say seven different holes mm. uh, on it. But but even then, because it's a landlocked course, you're not going to go from total yardage from uh, sixty about sixty five hundred yards. You're not going to increase it to seventy five hundred yards. It just mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to add a hundred yards to half the holes or anything like that. But they got it up over sixty seven hundred, which doesn't seem like much, but uh, hole by hole, it definitely gives it a little bit more bite. Uh, and and I, the interesting thing to me is like as they play tour golf courses, that this is an old course, Mm -hmm. really old. And most of the courses they play are kind of from another school, another genre, 80s, anywhere from the 80s till now, a great percentage of them. And that makes this a distinctive challenge, I think, and not so much in score, but in the the way you play. And as it was told to me, the PGA officials who've gone over this course – uh, several times in the in the you know since they announced they were going to have a tournament here that they were they were looking forward to it that they liked the course and liked the fact that it was going to be it's 
you know, it's a 19, essentially a 1922 layout here with uh, a couple of tweaks here and there as they went along, uh, and that the pros were going to enjoy this and, and enjoy the fact that it is a little distinctive. And, you know, uh, despite us being in South Dakota and people thinking it's flat, the golf course is not flat. And so no. there's some there's some really interesting uh, visually uh, when you're looking at holes that I think will be, it, it is fun. It's classic golf course. And probably a lot of those guys grew up playing that kind of golf. So yeah. it might be yeah. fun for With, them. Uh, yep. Undulations on the greens are probably going to be a little more severe in some cases, or they'll have the opportunity to make them more severe. If, uh, you know, if they really want to and, and how they set up the course every day and the conditions uh, it, with rain and these sorts of things, they're all going to figure into that final score. But overall, it's, it's a shorter course. But I think that, as they told me anyway, that, uh, that it's going to be a fun course for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what As you go through this week, and I don't know, are you staying out there for the uh, the duration? You Are you in for the, the whole thing, or uh, are you bouncing in and out? Uh, I'll be here every day until yeah. it's over. So uh, it's, I, My role is going to be a little bit different uh, several other days, but like tomorrow I, I just found out now I'm going to play it in the Pro-Am oh, uh, in the morning. If, yeah, if baby. The, the weather looks a little tough, but I'll get a column out of that, and then throw together some notes and then when the, the actual competition starts i'll be doing a lot of the kind of the nuts and bolts of who's ahead every day and that that sort of thing yeah so what what are you looking for in terms of story you know it's you're out there a lot um and there's nuts and bolts but there's still story and and when as a reporter as a columnist when you're spending this much time in something what are you looking for every day when you get up well, I, I really want to be able to have the opportunity to weave in what we call in the biz anecdotes, uh, stories about their careers and or stories about their comrades or, or you know, ways that, you know, things that have happened in their golf career and, and, uh, and why they think about things they do and perhaps what are the factors involved in making them think these ways. Because uh, these guys are, uh, I mean, they're a, Every one of them has a via their experience, and for a lot of them, I think just via the the types of people they are, uh, they're they're gold mines as far as telling you stories about golf and telling you stories about uh, competition, and that stuff fascinates me. I don't know if it fascinates the readers, <laughs> but those are the thing, definitely the things that I would like to talk about with these guys and try to make, you know, so that they they aren't standard what we would call game stories, the nuts and bolts uh, that that we can breathe some life into this with some of the, the characters involved. Yeah, golfers are often, for whatever reason, uh, uh, much like baseball players, good storytellers. Yeah, well, we talk, they have a lot, you look at those two sports, they yeah. got a lot of time to talk if they want. <laughs> so hopefully you can tap into some of that. Uh, yeah. We're going to come right back and chat a little bit more with Mick Gary of Argus Leader Media. He's covering the Sanford International out at Minnehaha Country Club this week, and uh, we'll be reading his stories and we'll be looking for those at ArgusLeader.com. We'll be right back after this short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and I'm very happy to have with us continuing our conversation, Mick Gary from Argus Leader Sports, and uh, Mick is covering the Sanford International Golf Tournament at Minnehaha Country Club. But I want to ask you, Mr. Gary, beat writer for the University of South Dakota Fighting Coyotes, uh, tell me it's going to be okay, man. My my Coyotes went out to Ogden and got punched in the face on Saturday. That was. Uh you know, I, it was going to be a tough game to win. The uh, Weaver State is pretty good, and their defense is, is excellent. And they knew those things going in there. Uh, but you know, if you're going to be, if you fashion yourself one of those programs, it's going to be a, kind of a top 15 FCS program. Well, then you, when you go out there and you play a team like that, you don't get beat up. And yeah, that's that's what happened. And that would be the part of it where I would think that there's there's Cause for concern there. Uh, defense played pretty well. Uh, the offensive line is just not really bloomed so far this year, like a lot of people, I think, were kind of anticipating that 
these are they're getting some of their recruits in there now, and there's a lot of them are younger yet, but that that these guys were going to, but it'd be a little bit deeper line overall, and that these guys were going to kind of start asserting themselves a little bit, and it wasn't going to be with all you know that you don't have to gain yards with three fake handoffs and you know, and then hit a guy uh, just who's being covered like glue. Uh, to get a first down, but right now that's kind of looking like what they're going to have to do. And and I think that you could you could say that uh, when you're playing at night outside uh, against a very good defensive team, that you're going to your circumstances are pretty extreme there in a lot of ways, and that you're not going to the, the offense is not going to have to deal with that situation every week. But uh, overall, uh, quarterbacking I think is is definitely adequate. Defense is probably even a little bit better than adequate at this point, but the offensive line and its capacity to occasionally get a, get a few yards on the ground when the defense knows it's a run situation, that just hasn't happened. No, and and by extension, I think that you got the problem with the, the pass game is going to come up here unless they can get a little bit more balance. They seemed more respectable at Kansas State than they did at Weber State, which is yeah. saying something. It's kind of Definitely, depressing. Uh, I, <laughs> that's that's what they're dealing with right now, and I I think that uh, part of the and I can't put words in his mouth, but I think that part of the reason Bob Nielsen was not having any of this that well you know we look how close we came to this Big Twelve team at their own stadium. Mm-hmm. The, one of the reasons is that underlying he understood that Kansas State uh, is probably not that fantastic a team. <laughs> And you can't quote Bob Nielsen on that. You got to quote me. Yeah, that's but right. That's kind of how I interpreted it a little bit. And maybe he foresaw that this is as they went on, even though they weren't going to a Big Twelve stadium and playing in front of fifty thousand people, that they were going to be tested more severely than they were that day. It's very interesting. So uh, they come home this week, right? Or is they have a they have a bye week? When's their bye? Bye week, and then they have to go to Southern Illinois, which, oh. and Southern Illinois is playing pretty well. So that game on. Uh, it's two weeks from now at Southern Illinois, uh, which was, I think they were picked maybe seventh or eighth this year, but uh, they're looking okay. And given that it's a road game, and that's, you don't realize it until you start going on the road, I guess, that how much different it is, how big a, how much bigger challenge it is to win a road game, especially a conference road game where most of the teams are pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be, a, that, that is, you could, it would be only a slight overstatement to say that their season could rest in that game. I would think so. I mean, you can't you can't lose three games right out of the gate and expect to make the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, well, and, but yep, and you can translate it another way. After they lost at Weber State, I don't think they're going to be able to go four and four in a conference and get into the playoffs. I I think they're going to have to go five and three, or more like maybe six and two, and that's just a that's a whole different level of achievement to be able to get through that conference six and two. Yeah. They have to play at state this year at the last game of the season. So that'll come yep. down. That'll probably come down to all the marbles again, but that's cool. That's the way we want it. Right. We want to play for something. Yep. Uh, yep. I, I don't even like talking about state, right? I, I, I can't, <laughs> I, I don't even like bringing it up, but I do want to point out that, uh, so they put up 90 on the three sisters of the covenant from Arkansas uh, that that's not really any indication of the quality of the football team, right? They still suck, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Just say yes. It's an easy question. I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think they're they're going to be okay this year. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> At least. Well, they got a good they quarterback. Gotta, I'll give them that. Yeah. That, uh, that, that uh, Taron Christian, he can he can play. He can huck the ball. And they they have a history of uh, winning games. I don't know if you know that, but. Uh, I've tried not to pay attention. Part of it. Yeah, sure. I know. I, I understand. Um, the uh, but they get North Dakota State at home, right? Isn't that how that works? Yeah. When we're on yep. the road against SUSU, we get NDSU at home, which is always kind of reviling anyway, because all those people come from North Dakota, yeah. so that's bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great. It's like one of those guys on the other team that that you'd say, well, if you had him, you'd like him, but because you don't, you hate him. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's. it's it's incredible the level of commitment they have for that football team there. But if they're in your backyard for a day, ah. it's not quite so cool. Call the cops. 
yeah. <laughs> Mick Gary, uh, he is the beat writer for the University of South Dakota Fighting Coyotes, and so I read all his stuff. And also covering the Sanford International this week out at Minnehaha Country Club. Mick, uh, we'll be watching, and uh, I appreciate you taking some time for us, and good luck out there, man. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Anytime. Coming up after the break, we'll chat about what's coming up tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Don't forget, everybody, that now through September thirtieth, it's the Great American Milk Drive. One in four children go hungry. Milk is an essential part of a child's diet. The next time you're checking out your groceries at any Sioux Falls Hy-Vee, tell them you would like to donate either a half gallon or a full gallon of milk to the Great American Milk Drive. Your donations help feeding South Dakota and provide milk to kids in your neighborhood who can't afford it. For more information on this or any event in the Sioux Empire, go to the events calendar at KSOO.com. What do we got coming up tomorrow on the show? Let me look. Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Camps will be here, and she's bringing some deer, guys. We're going to talk about deer hunting. Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day, and uh, we will have Libertarian Congressional Candidate Ron Wojorek, and that'll be fun. That's all coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, 3 to 5 on Information 1000 KSOR.